Bibles turn to Revelation 21. Revelation chapter 21. Uh, could I give you a prayer request real quick? And so we are, uh, we have either by now, we have either aired on about eight radio stations or will by the time this afternoon is over. Some, some of the radio stations that we're airing on are in different time, different time zones. And so the broadcast hasn't come on in some states yet, but we've, we've aired on about eight radio stations today. And then we have a few that uh, air throughout the week. We have a radio station contacted me this week, and we have an opportunity to reach over a million people uh, with this new opportunity. And so I just want you to pray about it with me, if you will. And um, I'll tell you about it, Lord willing, if the Lord... Uh, directs that way. I'll share it with the church, and we'll we'll pray about it and, as a church. But you uh, help us pray. Boy, how many know this? In these days in which we're living, people need the gospel. Amen. Amen. They need Jesus. And uh, well, listen, uh, you can't watch the Sunday school class now. I don't think, but you can you can watch it when it's live. But you can't watch it after the fact. I think, but you can listen to the Sunday school lesson. Uh, you can go on our website at calvarybcug.com. And you can listen to the audio file from the Sunday school lesson this morning. And if you weren't in the Sunday school this morning, go back and listen to that. Please go back and listen to that. We talked about why is Israel so hated. Um, and so I, I really believe that it may turn a light on for a few of you. So go back and listen to that. But I want to talk to you about this subject today, God's ultimate day of climate change. We've been in a, a, a biblical prophecy series now for several months. We didn't mean to be there that long. We we're going to stay there one month, and uh, that was back in August. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was in July, and uh, and so here we are in October, and we're still we're still going, but we're getting close to the end, literally. In fact, this may be this may be the last message that we'll bring in this biblical prophecy series. But I didn't feel like we could really close it out until we brought this message. And so Revelation 21 in your Bibles, when you find your place, if you're able to stand, let's stand today out of respect for the reading of God's word. And I'm gonna read, I've got verses one through five on the screen, but I'm gonna read, we're gonna read down through verse number 10 today. Revelation 21, beginning in verse one. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride, adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And by the way, church, we'll never read any better scripture than what we're reading this morning. Verse 4, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It is done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving, and the abominable, and murderers, and whoremongers, and sorcerers, and idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, 
which had the seven vials full of the seven, seven last plagues, and talked of me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. I know we were going to read through verse 10, but I just couldn't stop. And I want you to look at verse number five, and I want us to read it together this morning. Verse number five, ready? And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. You may be seated this morning. And I'm going to jump right into this because i got a lot to give to you. We won't be able to give, you, give it all, but I'll, I'll do what I can, give you, give you what I can this morning as we talk about God's ultimate day of climate change. A lot of talk about climate change today. And uh, you talk about climate change, friend. Everybody hold on and buckle up tight because we're going to talk about some severe climate change today in this message. And so let's go to the Lord. And we'll jump into the Bible study today. Father, we love you. Thank you for the privilege to be here. Lord, we're glad we're forgiven forever. And Lord, it's all because of Jesus. Lord, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, we praise you for that renewing and that washing. We thank you, Lord, that we're forgiven. And now, Lord, I pray that you'll knit our hearts together and help us to learn the truth from the Word of God. Save any in this crowd or any watching by way of live stream. Father, save those that are lost and undone without the Lord. Father, those that are not sure about tomorrow, those that are not sure about the end times. God, I pray that you'll use this Bible study today to, to show them their need of a Savior. And Father, I pray that you'll show them that Jesus is able to redeem them. He's able to forgive them. He's able to make them new. He's able to give them a home in heaven and I pray they'll come to a saving knowledge of Jesus today. Then, Lord, encourage that child of God that might be a little discouraged today. Lord, come now in mighty power. We love you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray and for his sake. And all the Lord's people said, amen. Well, I'm going to talk to you about God's ultimate day of climate change today. But before we get to that, now I don't know if you noticed this or not, but, uh, but I want to say this. If we're going to get a clear grasp of heaven or heavenly things. It's imperative that we make our move to the mountain of meditation. I don't know if you noticed that or not. We're reading that, but I wanted to, I wanted to point that out to you. And again, I'm not sure if you noticed it, but we noticed something here in our scripture that we read that before John is able to see this heavenly vision clearly, we noticed that John needed to move to higher ground. Look back at your Bible, if you will, at verse number nine. I just thought this was interesting to me. Verse nine, John says, and there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked to me, saying, come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. Look at verse 10, though. The Bible says, and he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. And so before John was able to see this great revelation, before he was able to see this clear vision of heaven, uh, we notice here that John had to be taken to the mountain. Now, I'm going to call that the mountain of meditation. That's not what the angel called it, but I'm going to call it the mountain of med meditation. 
And child of God, I want to I, let you know something that before you're going to really get something from God and before you're really going to see a clear vision of heavenly things, how many know this? You're going to have to move to the mountain meditation. You're going to have to climb to higher ground and, uh, and higher ground takes time and it takes work and it takes effort. Now you say, preacher, I'm not following you. Mountain of meditation, what in the world? I've never been there. I've been to Grandfather Mountain. I've been to, I've been to the Blue Ridge Mountains, but I've never been to the Mountain Meditation. What is that? Well, when you spend time in this book right here, you know what happens? You move to the mountain of meditation. When you spend time in prayer, in your prayer closet, and walking with God, and, and sharing your time with the Lord, and loving on him, and letting him love on you, you know what happens? You move to the mountain of meditation. When you're faithful to come to the house of God, you know what? When, the, when all the enemies of hell are trying to keep you away from God's word, and yet you, you say, no, I'm not going to do that, and you yield to the Spirit of God, and you come on to the house of the Lord. You know what you're doing? You're moving to the mountain of meditation. You're saying, Lord, I want truth. Lord, I, I'm hungry for a revelation. God, I want you to help me. I want you to, I want you to speak to me. And so if you're here today, the, the, the simple, simple thought, but if you're here today and you really want to get something from God, you're going to have to move to higher ground. Right. And that means this, you won't be, you won't stay in the valley. You won't, you won't be lazy. And get something from God, man, you got to dig, you got to pray, you got to beg, you got to be hungry, you got to be thirsty. And aren't you glad that God said this, that I'll pour water on him who's thirsty. And old Calvary, may we move to that mountain of meditation. There's a lot of talk today concerning climate change. Now we have, we have climate change summits that are going on today. We have climate change conferences that are going on. Big, giant heads of state will, uh, will fly somewhere, maybe to France or Germany or uh, Canada or other places, and they'll have big conferences, and it's all, it all has to do with climate change. Uh, politicians are campaigning on climate change. If I get elected, if you'll elect me, if you'll vote for me, I promise you that I will uh, enact climate change legislation. And we have, of course, the president very often you know what? He'll mention climate change in his speeches. We have new laws and regulations that are being implemented all because of climate change. In fact, this week I was reading an article this week that said that America is thinking of imposing what they call a carbon tax. Now, that's what you need is more taxes. You need more taxes. Uh, and so they're thinking about uh, implementing a carbon tax, a carbon tax. You say, preacher, I don't even use carbon. And, uh, uh, and here's the thing, to be quite honest with you, you're already paying it. When you have to go get your, your, uh, your emissions tested and you have to pay for that, you know what that is? That's a carbon tax. Now, they may not call it that, but that's what that is. And that's all about, that's all about climate change. Uh, but I said all that to say this, that when the end, and we've been talking about the end for several months, when the end finally arrives, God is going to make some very dramatic climate changes. In fact, I want to show you a few things this morning that even before the end comes, God intends to make some dramatic, dramatic changes climate changes. Now, you're in the book of Revelation, so that's a good place to be. And I want you to turn, it, turn to several places, if you will. Turn to Revelation chapter 6, and look, if you will, at verse number 12. You say, preacher, what's the end going to be like? And what's this climate change that you're talking about? Uh, I didn't even know the Bible says anything about climate change. What's it going to be like? Well, look what our Bible tells us 
In Revelation chapter 6 and verse number 12, the Bible says, And I beheld when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake. And the sun, watch this now, and the sun became uh, black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind, and the heaven, notice this, and the heaven departed as a scroll, when it is rolled together, and every mountain and island were moved out of their places. Now, I can't get bogged down here, although it is very tempting. And somebody says, preacher, what in the world, what kind of earthquake on earth could make the sun go dark. I mean, that didn't make any sense. The sun is millions and millions of miles away. And so what kind of earthquake on, uh, on earth is gonna darken the light of the sun? And the answer to that is very easy. And we talked about that not in this series, but many, 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 many months ago or maybe even several years ago, we talked about this, that around the Pacific Ocean, there's something known as the ring of fire. And uh, there are, whether you know it or not, there are active volcanoes that are buried under the ocean. One of these days, our Bible says that an earthquake, like no other earthquake, is gonna take place and the earth's crust is gonna begin to shift. And I really believe this. I believe that that earthquake is gonna set these volcanoes off like multiple atomic eruptions, multiple atomic bombs. Those volcanoes will begin to erupt around the world and ash and sulfur will be thrown into the atmosphere and uh, hey, it makes perfect sense that the sun is gonna be darkened. It's not gonna give us light. You know why? It'll be blocked. It'll be blocked. That's why the Bible says the heavens as a scroll. Have you ever seen a volcano erupt? Man, if you, uh, you get an opportunity today, when you go home, Google Mount St. Helens and, and look at Mount St. Helens when it erupted and when that thing barreled up into the sky, it looked like the heavens were rolling as a scroll. And so the Bible says the sun's gonna be darkened. Look, if you will, at Revelation chapter eight and verse number 12. Revelation eight. Now, folks, we're not even at the end yet. And already we're seeing some dramatic climate change. Revelation eight, verse number 12. The Bible says, and the fourth angel sounded and the third part of the sun was smitten and the third part of the moon and the third part of the stars so the third, so as the third part of them was darkened, and the day shone not for a third part of it, and the night likewise. Listen, in the tribulation period, did you know that day is going to be very short and night is going to be very lengthy? Very lengthy. In fact, oh man, I can't, this is so tempting. There's gonna come a day during the tribulation period when night will be so long and it'll be so dreadful, people will beg for light. They'll beg for light to come. And so we see dramatic climate change. Turn over one page and look at Revelation chapter nine and look at verse number two. Revelation nine, verse two. The Bible says, and he opened the bottomless pit and there rose a smoke out of the pit. That's the smoke of a great furnace and the sun and the air the sun and the air were darkened by reason of the smoke of the pit. So again, I'm just trying to make a point this morning, church, and that's this, that even before the end, and we're gonna get there in just a minute, but even before the end, we see dramatic, dramatic climate changes that are taking place on the earth. In fact, I want you to turn over to Revelation 16, and I wanna show you how dramatic, listen, this is not preacher trying to make, you know, make this seem glamorous, 
Uh, listen, listen to what your Bible tells us in Revelation 16 and verse number eight. Somebody says, Pastor, how bad is it going to be? All right, listen to how bad it's gonna be. Revelation 16, verse eight. The Bible says, and the fourth angel poured out his vial upon the sun and power was given unto him to scorch men with fire. And men were scorched with great heat and blasphemed the name of God, which hath power over these plagues. And they repented not to give him glory. Church, we're not even at the end, and yet it's terrible. I mean, tribulation period. People say, well, preacher, we're living in the tribulation right now. Not even a chance. Not even a chance. The Bible says in the tribulation period that the climate will begin to change. God will allow the climate to begin to change. The sun will be darkened. The moon won't give its light. The air is going to be darkened. Day will be very brief. Night will be very long. And the Bible says that when the sun does shine, the Bible says that the sun will scorch. It'll be so hot that it will scorch men. Now let's talk about climate change a little bit. And there are some folks who are just obsessed they're obsessed with saving the earth. And church, this is not a, listen, this is not doomsday preaching this morning, but I'm just gonna tell you, in reality, that's a lost cause. You say, pastor, I'm gonna save the earth, friend, and I'm not against you being a good steward. I'm not preaching against that at all. I think you ought to be a good steward. I don't think you ought to throw your trash out of the car. I think there's a place for you to put your trash. I don't think that we ought to be bad stewards with God's earth But I'm just saying to all those people who think that they're gonna save the earth, God's got a different plan. God is going to destroy this earth. He's going to. I was reading this week, uh, listening to this article on Monday, Manuel Montana stood up for a tree, actually 18 trees. Driving to work, he noticed a tall fiscus or, or ficus, is that right, ficus? Being chopped down by a city crew when he learned that as a part of a beautification project, 18 mature trees lining San Fernando Road were being cut down. He acted immediately. Montanez blocked workers by standing in front of a second tree and called for family and friends to join him by tying themselves to other trees to save them as well. By noon, about 14 people were tied to the 34 old trees and large signs reading, Save Our Trees were posted along the street. And then I read about people who would go to logging sites and chain themselves to the trunk of the tree so people couldn't cut the tree down. And then I read about these people that are literally gluing themselves to the road. Have y'all heard about that? They call it a sleeping dragon. And they're gluing themselves to the road with cement. They dig a hole, they put their arm in the hole, they somehow, they put concrete in the hole and they concrete themselves, mercy, they concrete themselves to the road. So equipment can't, can't come in on the road. Now, again, I'm not gonna, I, I'm not gonna stay there, but I just, I want us to understand something that, that in the end, God intends to totally destroy the earth as we know it. Look back at your Bibles again, Revelation 21 and verse number one. The Bible says, and I saw a new heaven I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away and there was no more sea. Now I wanna answer three questions today concerning God's ultimate day of climate change. Three questions I wanna answer. Number one is this, when will God destroy the earth? And here's the answer to that. It's gonna be at the end, at the end of time. 
So last Sunday, we talked about the great white throne judgment. One of the last events on God's prophetic calendar is the great white throne. It'll be that time when those that have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior will be brought up out of hell and they'll be judged out of the books. We talked about the book of life, the word of God. We talked about the book of uh, uh, the, uh, trying to think about the, the, the last point. Uh, but anyway, they'll be judged out of the books. And the Bible says that they will be cast into a devil's hell. It is then that God will bring the end. Eternity will begin and the earth will be destroyed. Now look at it with me, if you will. Revelation chapter 20 and verse number 11. Revelation 20 verse 11. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life, and the dead were just out of those things which are written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Look at Revelation 21, verse one. Right after this judgment, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away. And so it would appear that God is gonna destroy the earth at the very end, right when eternity is going to, to, to begin. But number two, I wanna answer this question, how? How is God gonna destroy the earth? And the answer to that is this. He's going to destroy this earth, not with water. He's going to destroy the earth with fire and heat. And I want to show you. Take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to 2 Peter chapter 3. So if you're in Revelation, turn to the left, and you'll go back just a few pages, not very much. But, but find 2 Peter chapter 3, and look at verse number 10. And the Apostle Peter, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, tells us exactly how God intends to destroy the earth that you and I are living on right now. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse number 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are in, therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what men or persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of the Lord. He says it again, church, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. You say, a preacher, how is God gonna destroy the earth? He's gonna do it with fire. He's gonna do it with great heat. Now, some of you, in fact, I went by, uh, let's see, I went by, even this morning, I went by what used to be a, a beautiful home. And I noticed now they've got it all covered over with tarp. And the reason is because that home caught on fire not long ago. And it must have been a bad fire. And it just about decimated the house. And it was a beautiful home. Fire's destructive. 
Some of you have been through that. You've, you've suffered through a house fire and you wouldn't wish that on your worst enemy. I mean, it's a, it's a traumatic time. It's a, it's, a, it's a difficult time and fire is destructive. But how many know this? That fire also brings about new growth. And one of these days, God is gonna, you say, preacher, that's not right. That's not right. Listen, if God created it, God can destroy it. Right. <laughs> and people say, the earth belongs to us. The earth doesn't belong to you. The earth belongs to him. He's the one that created it. He's the one that owns it. He's the great creator. And if God decides that he wants to destroy it, then God can do that. God's got a perfect plan. But God is going to destroy it with fire, with great intense heat. And the Bible says the elements are going to dissolve. Now, you say, preacher, that's sad. Well, it is sad. In one way, he's going to destroy the earth as we know it. But here's the great thing. Whereas fire destroys, fire brings about wonderful and beautiful new growth. Talked about Mount St. Helens just a moment ago. Interesting. And I love that study. When Mount St. Helens erupted, I mean, almost for 20 square miles, the trees were just literally knocked over. The force of the eruption was so great, and the ash and the volcanic lava, most of the trees from the impact of the eruption, the trees just were knocked over. And one of the, and, 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 but later on, years later, all of a sudden we see new vegetation and new trees and new plants are coming up. Church, that's what it's gonna be like on God's new earth. God's gonna destroy this earth with fire and intense heat. But I'm gonna tell you something, it's gonna be wonderful because God's gonna make a new heaven and God's gonna make a new earth. And so when? Well, I believe God's gonna do it at the very end, at the beginning of eternity. How? God's gonna do it with fire and intense heat, but this is where I want to get to today. Last of all, I want to say why. Why will God destroy the earth? You say, Pastor, it's, it's, it's interesting. I mean, Genesis chapter one, Genesis chapter two, God creates all these wonderful things, and by the way, God creates a, an earth without a curse. And we learned in our, our, our Bible prophecy series that there's coming a day during the millennial reign of Christ when that curse is going to be lifted. And the lamb's going to sit down with the lion. And, uh, and the Bible says the child's going to put his hand on the hole of the asp. And he don't have to worry about getting bitten. And it's going to be a wonderful, wonderful time. God made the earth without a curse. But one of these days, God is going to destroy this earth that we're living on now. But why, preacher, why? Why is God going to destroy the earth? And here it is. Because he plans to make for you and I something brand spanking new. He's going to make something new. This earth that we know of right now will not exist in the form it's existing now, but God's gonna make a brand new earth. Now, a couple things. If you're a believer, you're not gonna live on it. You say, say what? If you're a child of God, you're not gonna live on the new earth. Now, you will visit it, but you won't live on it. You say, where, where, where am I going to live? You're going to live in a place called the New Jerusalem. Now, we believe that John chapter 14. Remember when Jesus said this? He said, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. Jesus said, I go to, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare, uh, prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. 
And so the Lord says, you know what? I'm creating a place, and this place we know is called the New Jerusalem. And for those of us that are born again, those of us whose names are written down in the Lamb's Book of Life, we're going to live in that New Jerusalem. But I believe this, we will have freedom to visit both. We'll live in the New Jerusalem, but we will visit the New Earth. Look at it, if you will. Revelation, turn back to Revelation again. Revelation chapter 21. And look at verse number one. Look what John says. Just some interesting, interesting things here. Revelation 21.1. John said, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. That's a whole different message, but I, maybe I'll talk about that sometime. Why is there not going to be a sea in heaven? Verse 2, And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Look at verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men and he will dwell with them and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes and there shall be no more death neither sorrow nor crying neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away this is what many scholars believe that when that new Jerusalem comes down from God out of heaven that it will that it will hover over the new earth And so you'll have a brand new earth that God is going to create and then hovering over that brand new earth is going to be the new Jerusalem. You and I will live, if you're a believer, you'll live in the new Jerusalem with God. Beautiful place, a wonderful place, but we'll have access to both. We can go to the new Jerusalem. We can visit the new earth. Look, if you will, same chapter. Look at verse number 24. The Bible says about this new Jerusalem and the nations of them which are saved, shall walk in the light of it. And the kings of the earth do bring their glory and honor into it. That leads us to believe they're not in the new Jerusalem. They're somewhere else. So they're, in, they're, they're living on the new earth, and yet they have access to the new Jerusalem. Verse 25 says, and the gates of it, gates of the new Jerusalem, shall not be shut at all by day, for there shall be no night there, Verse 26, and they shall bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. So church, there's gonna be be commerce. There's gonna be traveling. There's gonna be folks coming in and folks coming out. Verse 27, and there shall in no wise enter into it anything that defileth, neither whatsoever work of abomination or maketh a lie, but they which are written in the Lamb's book of life. Now, church, just let me make a few statements and we're going to be done. Everything that we enjoy in eternity is going to be brand new. It's going to be new. Now, just you listen. I'll read it quickly. Revelation 3 and verse 12. He that overcometh will I make a pillar in the temple of my God, and he shall go no more out, and I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem which cometh down out of heaven from my God, and I will write upon him my new name. Revelation 5, 9, and they sung a new song. Revelation 21, 1, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. Revelation 21, 5, and he that sat upon the throne said, behold, I make all things new. You know, there's nothing like something that's new. Well, something that's new is special, isn't it? I mean, there's just something about something that's new. I remember, and I've told this, I've shared this story before. My wife and I just celebrated 38 years of marriage. 
And I, I still remember that day that we got married at the Ufolo Baptist Church, and we were so excited to be married. By the way, 38 years later, we're still excited to be married. And uh, but we'll hold that for the marriage retreat, all right? Okay. And I remember we were going to go on our honeymoon, and we were going to go to Daytona. My wife's family had vacated in Daytona years before that, and so she made the arrangements. She, uh, they had stayed at a place, again, years before that, and so she thought, you know what, it's a nice place at the time. And, and so she booked us a hotel room in a place called Ormond Beach, Florida. And so, man, we were so excited. We uh, drove down to Florida, and we were so excited about being there for a week. And I remember we, I, I can remember, I'm, I'm laughing because, boy, my mind's going back. I can remember us pulling into this place. And it might have been nice when her and her parents stayed there. But something happened between the time that her and her parents stayed there and the time we were getting ready to stay there. And we pulled in and things didn't look right. Things didn't look pristine. Things didn't look, you know, like they're supposed to look in a nice place. And so we sort of pulled in and we were sort of like, whoa, you know what? You know, this doesn't, doesn't feel right. Doesn't look right. But we went ahead, you know, and back in that day, you know, you didn't have Apple Pay and all this kind of stuff. And so of all things, we paid with traveler's checks. How many remember the old traveler's checks? Y'all remember that? We paid with traveler's checks. And I mean, just green, wet behind the ears, just two kids, didn't know what we were doing. And so... We said, we have reservations. Oh, I've got your reservations. They took our traveler's checks. We got on the elevator, at least one of the ones that worked. We got on the elevator. <laughs> and we went up to our room, and I'm telling you, church, this is the truth. Our windows in our room, our windows were so dirty, you couldn't even see through the windows. I'm talking about the curtains. You know, the curtains were open uh, in our room, and we looked through the glass. You couldn't see through the glass because the windows were so dirty. We put the key in, and we walk in the room, and oh, man. Houston, we have a problem. I mean, we have a bad problem. I mean, it is old. It's dilapidated. It's, it's not clean. It's just, and honestly, our hearts sunk. We were so disappointed. I mean, we were so happy to be newlyweds, and we were so, now we were so disappointed, and we thought, man, what are we going to do? We've already paid these folks traveler's checks, and we don't know what to do. And so, uh, you know, we just... We got in our car. I remember we got, got in my wife's car and we drove down the strip there to Daytona Beach and we came by this hotel and man, it was just, I mean, it was gorgeous. It was a holiday inn and it was just gorgeous and it had, I think it had 12 stories and I mean, man, it sort of towered over everything else. It was just beautiful. I mean, the landscaping was great and the outside was all painted fresh and uh, in fact, it was a, a, new, a, a new resort and uh, I remember we walked in and there was a guy there at the counter and we just walked up and I don't know if he could sort of tell that we were discouraged or what it was. And, and we said, yeah, and we told him our story. So we checked in down here at Ormond Beach and I said, it's a dump and we paid him in traveler's checks and we don't know what we're gonna do. And, I, and, uh, and uh, you know what, that guy began to speak into our life and he said, listen, he said, you don't, have to, you don't have to settle for that. He said, you go back down there and get your money back. And he said, you come back to me. We went back down there, got our traveler's checks, <laughs> got our traveler's checks back. 
We went to that, down to that Holiday Inn, and I mean, man, walk in this place, and I mean, it was just absolutely, uh, it was absolutely spectacular. We went back to that same gentleman, and he said, man, we're happy to have you. He said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to put you up here on the 12th floor. I'm going to give you a room where you can see the ocean, and, uh, and he said, on top of that, he said, it's your honeymoon. He said, man, I'm going to give you a discount, and he said, we're going to put you up here all week, and man, oh man, you talk about two happy newlyweds. I mean, we were happy. Man, we went up to that beautiful room. It was just absolutely gorgeous. And they had a restaurant right on the ocean. And we ate restaurant at Jonathan's Reef every day. And I mean, man, we were just, we were in high cotton. It was new. You say, preacher, what's that got to do with anything? Friend, let me tell you something. When you, got, you and I go to heaven, it's going to be new. Amen. Man, you don't have to worry about cobwebs. You don't have to worry about trash. You don't have to worry about graffiti. You don't have to worry about uh, graveyards and, and cemeteries. and You don't have to worry about any of those things. It's going to be new. And I'll tell you something else about heaven. Listen to this. One of the great things about heaven is that the newness, are y'all listening? The newness will never wear off. Now, you can't say that about this earth. This earth is losing its newness. Again, just listen. I'll read it for you. Hebrews chapter 10, verse number, Hebrews chapter 1, verse 10. And thou, Lord, in the beginning hast laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of thine hands. They shall perish, but thou remainest, and they all shall wax old as doth a garment, and as a vesture thou shalt fold them up, and they shall be changed. You know what God is saying? This earth's gonna wear out. This atmosphere, atmosphere is going to wear out. There is going to be climate change. There are things that are going to happen to this earth uh, that, 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 that are going to change. You know why? Because this earth's getting older and older and older. It's wearing out. It's wearing out. It's wearing out. But I just said that to say this. I'm glad I can tell you that according to the authority of the Word of God, heaven will never, will never lose its luster. You can turn to these places if you want to, but you don't have to because I got too many scriptures. Listen to 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 4. To an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you. How about 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse number 4? And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away away. How about Matthew chapter 6 and verse number 19? Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. How about Luke chapter 12 and verse number 33? Sell that ye have and give alms. Provide yourselves bags which wax not Old, a treasure in heaven, in the heavens that faileth not. Church, listen to me now. Get this today. Listen, do you know that a million years after we've been living there, it's going to seem like the very first day? Amen. You ever done this? Have you ever bought a new car and it had that new car smell? Oh, you loved it. You're trying to figure out a way. How can we keep this new car smell? That's hard to do when you got rug rats and Kool-Aid drinking kids and popcorn. I know, I've been there. 
That's hard to do, isn't it? It's hard to keep that new car smell, but it all smells so good. Man, you get in that new car and you're like, I just won't breathe for a minute. Don't let the kids in yet. Let me just breathe for a minute. Oh, it smells so good. Hey, church, do you know, do you know that 10 million years after we've been in glory, you can just stop and say, I want to smell the new smell. It's never going to lose its luster. It's never going to lose its beauty. Come on now. It's never going to lose its, its, its glory. It's never going to lose its splendor. Heaven will never lose its luster. Somebody said it like this. I've heard and read about heaven. It's the place I long to see. In the Bible, we're told of its beauty. My Lord's preparing a place for me. And then the chorus goes like this. Heaven, can you imagine all the peace and tranquility? No more heartache nor care. No more burdens to bear. It will last through all eternity. A few weeks ago, my wife and I went out to visit with the children in California. And we had rented, we rented a car. And we had a day where the kids were, the kids were sort of busy doing some things. And, and so Miss Tame and I had a little, little slot of time. And I said, hey, let's just let's go. Let's go somewhere. So I hit the maps on my phone and I Googled Beverly Hills. Beverly Hills is 23 minutes. It's 23 minutes where our kids were ministering. And so Miss Tammy and I drove to Beverly Hills, California. And when we were in Beverly Hills, we drove to a, now all of Beverly Hills is exclusive. But we went to the, we went to the place where, buddy, all the snobs live. I, I'm sorry, I shouldn't say that. They're not all snobs. I'm sure they're not. But we went to a place called Bel Air. We drove to Bel Air. And when you drive to Bel Air, it's an exclusive community and there's big, giant, big, giant gates there. And you can get in, but there's big, giant gates there. And when you go into Bel Air, you start going, going up in the mountain there, right outside of Los Angeles. And uh, this is just something I'd always wanted to do. I, you know, I grew up, I grew up as a kid, I grew up watching Beverly Hillbillies. Now, you young whippersnappers don't even know what that is. We need to expose you to the finer things of life, amen? But we used to watch Beverly Hillbillies, and I thought, you know what, man, I, I, I want to go. I want to go. I told Miss Tam, I said, let's go. Let's go where that's at. So we, man, we researched it out, and, and it said that, of course, it's not known as the Beverly Hills Mansion, but they said the mansion they used to film that little series was in Bel Air. And so we drove up in the mountains up in Bel Air, and uh, anyway, I've got a little picture here. It's still there. This is a pretty recent picture of the, of the castle. Yeah, it looks like a castle, doesn't it? Now, we couldn't, you can't see it unless you're in an airplane. You can't see that. We're up way up on the mountain. We did stop. Miss Tammy said, stop, stop, stop. And I said, honey, I mean, it's just a small little road. She said, stop. I want to, I want to look through the gate. I'm going to see if I can look through the gate. I said, honey, they're going to come arrest. She said, stop, I'm going to see. And so sure enough, we pulled into the driveway. Driveway was about this long, you know, before you get to the gate. And I pulled in the driveway. Miss Tammy hops out, and she starts to look through the gate. And a voice came from somewhere. <laughs> I don't know where the voice came from, but it said, please leave the driveway. <laughs> Wait a minute. 
That mansion, they just sold that mansion recently for $150 million, $150 million. A fellow by the name of Lachlan Murdoch. You ever heard of Rupert Murdoch? You ever heard of Fox News? Rupert Murdoch owned Fox News. Lachlan Murdoch's his son. Lachlan Murdoch purchased this place for $150 million. Now you say, preacher, why are you even showing that? This is why I'm showing that. As grand as that is, Calvary, I want you to understand something. Our God will never be outdone. Never. So you can look at that and you can say, wow. And, and it is. I, I got another picture. Look at this right here. Check this out. This is a picture that our missionary, Elijah Helms, who's ministering in Alaska, he put this on there the other day and I, I thought about that and so I, I wanted to put that picture up. But look at that. Man, look at the beauty Look how gorgeous that is. Listen to me, church. Did you know that you serve a God that will never be outdone? What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying one of these days when we get to heaven, listen, it's going to knock your glorified socks off. It's not like going to be like anything you've ever, ever experienced. Listen, Beverly Hills is not even a drop in the bucket compared to what heaven's going to be. And the beauties of Alaska and that sunset is not like anything. Listen, God is going to pour his blessings out on us with heaven. And it's never going to get old. Every day, it'll be brand new. But here's a good question. Are you going? Are you going? You say, Pastor, I hope. I hope I'm going. Hey, friend, you can do better than that. You don't have to go through life hoping. You can know. You say, well, no, 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 Pastor. Nobody can know. Yes. According to the word of God, 1 John 5, 13, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that ye may know that ye have eternal life. I'm glad you can know. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hey, friend, I got great news. You don't have to go to hell. You don't have to, to wind up without God. You don't have to miss heaven. You don't have to miss Jesus. Hey, there is a Savior, and his name is Christ. And he'll save your soul today. Say, Pastor, I'm not worthy. You got that right. Neither am I. And neither are any of these other folks in here. We're just a bunch of sinners who deserve to go to hell. But God loved you enough to send his son for you so you could be redeemed. Would you bow your heads with us this morning? Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. I want to ask a question or two. We're going we're gonna to let you go. How many are in this room right now? And you'd say, Brother Pope, Preacher, if I died today, I know beyond a shadow of any doubt, I know that I am born again. I don't hope, I don't think, it's not maybe. I know that I am born again and on my way to heaven with heads bowed and eyes closed, nobody looking just for a moment. If that's you, 
Would you just very quietly slip your hand up as a testimony? I know I'm born again. Hallelujah. You can lower your hands. All right, now. Here's another very important question. And I want you to search your heart right now, friend. If you died today, and you say, Brother Pope, in all honesty, I'm just not sure. Preacher, don't get this wrong. I want to go. I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. Preacher, when I close my eyes in death, I want to see the Lord, but I'm just not sure I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. Listen, I'm not going to come back and try to drag you down an aisle. I'm not going to pray for you by name, but the Lord will know who you are. You'd say, Brother Pope, you'd say, Brother Pope, I don't know for sure that I'm on my way to heaven. Would you slip your hand up right now and let me pray for you? Can I do that? I see that hand, and I see that hand. Who else? I see that hand. Who else? Who else? Preacher, I'm not sure if I died, I'd go to heaven. Would you remember me? Is there one more? Come on. Can I pray for you? Come on, be honest. I see that hand right there. Is there somebody else? Is there somebody else? Preacher, if I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray? Would you help me pray? All right. I see that little hand. Thank you. I see that hand. Thank you, honey. Anybody else? Anybody else? I don't want to miss anybody. Preacher, pray for me. If I died, I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Would you pray? Would you pray for me? Anybody? Anybody else? Come on. Let me get you in on this prayer. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your goodness. Oh, my. What a place heaven's going to be. Lord, I can't wait. Lord, a place that's never going to lose its luster. A place that will never lose its newness. A place there will be no death, no sorrow, no crying, no heartache, no murder, no cancer, no Alzheimer's, no arthritis, no human trafficking, no slavery. Oh my, what a place heaven's going to be. Father, I'm thankful for these hands that were raised, but I'm concerned about these hands that said that they're just not sure. And so Holy Spirit, right now, I pray that you'd help them to know how much you love them. And I pray that in just a moment, they they would respond to this invitation and let us take a Bible and show them how they can be born again. God, have your way in this invitation. Maybe there are Christians who need to come and just pray for their loved ones that are lost. They have loved ones that are going to miss heaven. They're going to miss it. If something doesn't happen, they're going to miss it. And maybe Christians would just come today and gather around this old-fashioned altar and pray. Have your way, Lord, please, and we thank you. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. Would you stand with us all over the house just for a moment? We're going to keep our heads bowed just for a moment. I'm going to ask our personal workers, uh, and we may need a a couple extra because we have a couple that are sick today. Personal workers, if you'll just come and find a place in the altars this morning. Brother Brandon, if you'll just come over here in the front, that'd be great. 
If you're here this morning and you say, Brother Pope, I'm not sure about heaven. Pastor, I want to go, but I'm just not sure. Would you do this right now? Would you just slip out? Would you just slip out and make your way to the front? And we have somebody who wants to take a Bible and show you how you can know that you know that you know that you're going to heaven when you die. You say, Pastor, that aisle feels like it's about three miles long. I, I, I get that. But if you'll, listen, if you'll ask somebody to come with you, they'll come with you. They'll come with you. Would you do that right now? Would you just step out and come? Preacher, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you come while we wait? Hey, child of God, if you've got loved ones that are lost, they don't know Christ, as far as you know, they're, they're going to miss heaven. Hey, would you just take a moment and just slip out and find a place on this altar and, and just breathe their name to the Lord Jesus and ask him to save them? God, I don't want my mama in hell. Lord, I don't want my brother in hell. God, I don't want my coworker in hell. God, would you save them? God, would you open a door that we might be able to get the gospel to them? I want them in heaven with us. While we pause just for a moment and folks are coming, would you come? Would you come? Father, we thank you for your blessings. And God, thank you for what you're doing right now. Oh God, I don't know all that's going on in the altars, but Lord, I know you do. And I pray that you'll work. You know the desires of these hearts. God, save those that are lost and done without Jesus. God, save them. Lord, you know the faces. You know the names. And then, Lord, you know those in this service this morning that have raised their hand and said they're just not sure. They're just not sure about heaven. God, help them to come. Lord, help them to come. I know. I know. Lord, it's a, it's, a, it's a tough, it's a tough decision. But I pray they'll come. Have your way in the remainder of this invitation. And we thank you, Lord. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed, just for a moment. We'll sing in just a second. Is there anybody else that needs to make a move? Preacher, I'm not sure about heaven. Would you come? Would you come? Would you slip out right now? We've got some folks up here in the altar that would love to share the gospel of Jesus with you and how you can know you're going to heaven. We're going to sing this little chorus. You can look up this way, but the invitation's still wide open. And if you're here this morning and there's a need in your life, anything at all, listen, maybe you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, I am saved, but I need to rededicate my life to Jesus. I didn't mean to get away, but I got away from the will of God. I didn't mean to let it happen, Pastor, but I just slipped away from the will of God. Lost my joy, lost my fire. I just... I want to get it back. Hey, you can. And while we sing this chorus, if you need to step out and come and rededicate your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, you can do that. Pastor, I've been saved, but I've never been baptized. I need to make myself a candidate for baptism. Hey, you can do that. Preacher, we're not the member of a good Bible-believing, Bible-preaching body, and we feel that God is, is knitting our heart to Calvary. You come. While we sing today, you come. Let's sing together. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed.
going to sing it again here in just a second. I want to say a word to our live stream audience. If you're watching today, we're delighted to have you watching. There's a number on the bottom of your screen right now, 704-327-5662. And if you're watching and you need Jesus, please call that number. And we have some folks that are right beside the phone right now. They want to take your call, and they would love to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with you today. Hey, friend, have you done what you needed to do? Are you ready to meet God? We told our class this morning, we're, we're done. We told our class this morning, God doesn't keep time with a Rolex. God doesn't keep time with a Timex. God keeps time with the nation of Israel. And when you begin to see things happening like we're seeing happening, church, you better know that you know that you know that you're ready. We're going to have service tonight, maybe. But it could be the Lord may come before service tonight. Are you ready for the Lord? Are you ready? We're going to sing this verse. And if you need to come, you come today while we wait. Let's sing it. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Oh, God.